0: Father, we're thankful for another morning that we can come together and thankful for each Sunday that we can be with Your people and around Your Word. And Truly it's a joyous time to to be uh, corrected and comforted as well and encouraged by Your Word. And also just the fellowship that we enjoy with our brothers and sisters and thankful for that. I pray today You'd be with us as we go through patience and that You would cause us all to grow and to be sanctified and become more like Christ as we go through this lesson. pray this in His name. Amen. Anybody need patience this last week? Anything come up? Anybody want to share any testimony? Get cut off in traffic or anything? Your kids behaved really well? Everything fell right in the line? You weren't tested at all? Yeah. Perry, nothing there? Just
1: oh, i I'm really I'm, okay. I'm,
0: no, no specific. okay. No specifics. No specifics. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're in a, part of the lesson that deals with why is God patient? I think that was point number three and we're on the park where it talks about kindness though provoked, God is kind though provoked. So why is, he, why is He patient? Romans two four through 5 says, Are you think lightly of the riches of His kindness and tolerance and patience? Not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. So He is patient because He knows that it's His kindness that will lead us to repentance. I wanted to read just a little bit out of the book, Excellencies of God, which I highly recommend to you all, especially on the topic of patience if you want want some more in-depth on that. Many people will question His existence or deny His authority. Speaking of God, blasphemers abound. Defiance and rebellion are the norm. So how does God, who is holy and pure, render His patience uh, the most? And how astonishing this is. And He asks these questions. Why are adulterers not immediately smitten in the act of their lust? Why are their souls not sent coupled to the fire of torment as their bodies were undivided in the flame of uncleanness? Why are the mouths of blasphemers not immediately filled with fire and brimstone? And there are lots of blasphemers in the world. Why is the drunkard who passes out allowed to awaken again? Why does the extortioner not choke on the bread he's taken from the poor? Why does the house not fall on the head of the traitor? The answer, the patience of God is greater than the unkindness of man." So I thought that was good to contemplate upon that it's God's patience. The wicked prosper and live trouble, free lives because God is patient. The rain continues to fall and the sun continues to shine on the just and the unjust, the good and the evil. God is good to all. He patiently allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. That's from Acts 14, 16. Yet He did good, the Apostle Paul told the Listerians. Nevertheless, He did not leave them, leave Himself without witness in that He did good, <clears throat> gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. What holds his justice, his wrath, his anger, and just anger in check? His patience. And that's displayed in his kindness towards us. So, why is God patient? We'll get into that a little bit more here. It's on page whatever that is in you guys' copy. Second to the last page, in the top of the last page, on the day of judgment. So, one of the reasons that, <clears throat> let's go back to the reconciliation with God. I'm getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. So, reconciliation with God is probably one of the primary, if not the primary, reasons that he is patient. And that was from one of our theme verses to begin this class, 2 Peter 3.9. He's patient. His desire is that all should repent. And if He wasn't, none of us would because at the very act of our first sin, we would be done. I thought this other reason was a very good one so that the equity of His future judgments may be seen. On the day of judgment, the accumulated offenses will be so great that when patience relinquishes and wrath is released, God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Romans 2.5 And I find that the word righteous judgment is key here. He will be right in his judgment to pour out wrath on those who have not repented. So part of his patience is to show the justice and the equity of his future judgment. Well, the rest of the class today I want to spend on how we're to respond to God's patience. And then hopefully you picked up some counseling uh, scenarios that brought you together. And I want to get into those here by 9.30, so we'll have plenty of time to, to go over those and try to get some, some practical application. So how are we to respond to God's patience? I borrowed some of these from the book, uh, The Excellencies of God, because I thought they were they're really they're really good. We are to respond to God's patience, knowing that we have been warned, we've been cautioned would be another word, we've been alerted. If you guys want to turn with me to Second Peter chapter three. At verse 3, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So people, they, they know he's going, or have been told he's going to return. But because he's not, it's like, they are, they are uh, mocking and saying things are just continuing as they are, but they have been warned. And we have been warned. Although it doesn't seem like God is actively uh, meeting out just justice, He eventually will. Also, thought of Isaiah 57.11 if you want to turn there as well. Isaiah 57.11 God saying, Of whom have you been afraid or feared that you've lied and not remembered Me nor taken it to your heart? Is it not because I have held My peace from old that you do not fear Me? So He's saying, I'm holding My peace and you're not fearing Me. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't. You should be fearing Me. So He's talking about how we have been warned, we've been cautioned. Terry Johnson says in his book, God's failure to act as even regard is even regarded as an invitation to more and worse sin. Punishment is not forthcoming, so many are encouraged to continue to indulge more of, their, of the same, and then some. Another response to God's patience would be <clears throat> comforted. And if you want to turn to Matthew 12. Look at around verse 20. speaking of Jesus, "...a bruised reed He will not break, and smoking flax He will not quench, till He sends forth justice to victory, in his, and in His name Gentiles will, will trust." So in verse 20, He's talking about a bruised reed. This is somebody who has been uh, trampled by life. Smoking flax would be that little flame that's just about put out. And the comfort and the patience of Jesus is that He will not extinguish smoking flax and He will not throw away that bruised reed, that instrument that's no longer usable. That is very comforting to those of us who want to know what is the heart of Jesus. It is to be patient with people who are beat down by life and are almost extinguished. A third reason, a third way we respond to God's patience is patient in God's dealing with us. So when I say that, does that bring up some like questions? Are we to be patient with God? I don't know if it does or not. But bear with me here a little bit. If you think about it, we're really living out God's plan for our life. We believe that all of life has been ordained by Him. Even afflictions. Even trials. Even hard times. So have you ever, when you're going through a hard time, cried out to God and said, get get over let me get over this get get me past this get me through this so there's an extent to which we are to persevere or to be patient in trials i think of romans 12:12 12, 12, which talks about being patient in afflictions and continuing in prayer so patience is required when we live under the plan and the ordained decrees of the lord i think of hebrews 6:11 or 6.12, if you want to turn there, um, would be one reference to that. Hebrews 6.12 (coughs) speaking to believers who were living in pretty tough days so that you do not become lazy but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So he's encouraging them to show the same faith and patience that those who went before us had to endure. The people of faith have always had to inherit the promises through faith and patience. So it's a patient life that we live as the Lord sanctifies us, and as He um, takes us through just a living life. James 5.7 would also be another reference. Be patient, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. I think there's a certain element sometimes like, God, why don't You just deal with sick mankind? <laughs> and there's a certain patience of waiting until the Lord comes. Any comments on that? On being patient with the Lord? Not like He sinned against us, by the way. I think it's very careful to to distinguish that. But being patient with His will for us as we go through trials or afflictions. Comments? Thoughts on that? Okay, other ways we're to respond to God's patience is we are to replicate His patience. Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God as dear children. Can't get any clearer than that. We are to imitate God as His children. And Colossians 3.12, Put on long-suffering, which we said is another word that is often used as patience as well, long-suffering, slow to wrath. Well, are you a patient representative or image-bearer of God? How are you replicating the patience of God? It's a question for your own uh, contemplation review. If somebody wants to answer it, you can. Let's get into that a little bit because I want to get into the practical side of this. In what way is the Spirit produced fruit of patience central and vital in biblical counseling? What are some verses of Scripture that teach the centrality of patience in counseling one another? So There's a bunch of them, but I just thought I'd throw that question out there to you all. Like when you're Loving other people, counseling them, discipling them. What are some of your go-to verses that you use to deal with people? Or have you thought of patience in that way? What are some verses of scriptures that teach the centrality, or the need for patience in counseling one another? I'll throw one out there to get us started: First Thessalonians 5:14. as we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly or disobedient, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. So there's three categories of people that you might be involved with yeah. in mentoring or counseling. One of those categories is somebody who is being disobedient or unruly or out of line is literally the, the meaning of, of that word. Another category is somebody who's faint-hearted, who just seems discouraged all the time. Another category would be somebody who's weak in faith. And our charge is to be patient with all of them. So if you think about that, that's—you I mean, I'm supposed to be patient with somebody who kind of has a track record of sinning again and again? being out of line you mean I'm to be patient with somebody who always seems depressed and discouraged do you mean I'm supposed to be patient with somebody who's always doubting the faith and is really weak yep that verse is
2: helpful <clears throat> raising your It helps to know how patient to be when we're reading the warning and we're speaking,
3: or just to be, just to be teaching the patients.
0: Mm-hmm. I would guess that most of us are not godlike in this area. <laughs> like you need change, you need change now. You need change because I said so. God's word said so. Her says so. Can you read that whole thing? Sure. That's mm-hmm. my favorite. This is my favorite go-to section of scripture when it comes to patience. Can you the read Lord's that. The
1: bond servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach. Patient went wrong with gentleness, correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth, and they may not, come, they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil having been held captive by him to do his will. God does the
0: work. So what about the that verse those verses aiming?
1: If perhaps God may grant him, mm-hmm. he needs to open their eyes and it takes it's not a microwave. It's not yeah. instant. <laughs> so I can tell Timothy
0: what? Two. Second Timothy two, 24 to twenty six. As an elder here for, for years that that particular section of scripture has been so so helpful. As servant of the Lord, let's not quarrel, but be gentle to all. So we teach, we're patient. There's a word, patient. Correcting those who are in opposition, but then, as Amy said, it's God that grants repentance and does the changing. I think that's where the patience comes in. Is we have to wait upon the Lord to change people. We don't get—we don't get to do that. And perhaps He'll grant them repentance, and they'll know the truth. So that is a great um, scripture that Paul wrote to Timothy, a young man who might have been pretty um, like we are when we're younger, I think, and still are as we're older as well. But like, let's let's do it. Let's get it done. Let's get it done now. What's not clear about it, you know? So, be patient. Be gentle. Teach. Correct. Excellent. Good Scripture. So we had 1 Thessalonians 5.14, 2 Timothy 2.23-26. Anybody else have anything that they want to bring up? I like Romans 12.12 for people who are going through trial. Romans 12.12 talks about rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation. You could also use the word perseverance there in tribulation, uh, continuing in prayer. That's that's an encouragement to people who are going through times of, of tribulation or trials. Just persevere. Be patient through it. Anybody else have some Scriptures that you like? James 5 has an interesting section of Scripture if you want to turn there on being patient and persevering. James 5, 7-8 Somebody want to read that, James 5 7 through
4: 8. Be patient, therefore, brothers, <clears throat> until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it, until he receives the early and late rains. <clears throat> you also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Through, through what?
0: Yeah, that's it right there. So at least three times. That word is used to describe somebody who is waiting and persevering, living life until the coming of the Lord. Be patient. Be established in your heart. Look at the farmer. Some of you in here have lots of experience of that. We all probably do to some extent if you have a garden or anything like that. You plant and you and You wait. Pretty much out of your hands after that. Hopefully, you get rain, but you got to wait till the fruit eventually is produced. So that's another scripture that I that I like to bring to mind. Uh, James one nineteen. While you're in James. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, so that the implication here is we are to be slow to get angry. That would be a patient person as well.
5: I take our daughters like to Ephesians 4:32 sometimes when they're picking at each other, and like not something that specifically mentions patience, but I think the characteristics brought up. tend toward the patient person but it says be kind to one another tender hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you and a lot of times the people are just kind of nitpicking at each other in our house it's kind of a I guess, be kind like, mm-hmm. and, and look towards how you've been forgiven and, yeah. and I think that helps
0: yeah it's a good one
2: James 1.12 is also good for the person who is enduring that long trial, knowing that there's a
0: reward mm mm-hmm. him. Yeah, definitely. Blessed is a man who endures temptation, who is patient. Exactly. James seems to have a lot on patience. interest of time, I think I'll just give these references to you. You can write them down, but in Proverbs, there's three that are closely related about controlling your spirit and being slow to anger. be Proverbs 14.29, Proverbs 16.32, and Proverbs 19.11. Do you know that a man that can control his spirit, control himself, is stronger than a walled city? You know, it's just in a warrior, it's pretty amazing the, the power of patience and self-control and being slow to anger. Also, Ecclesiastes 7-9. So I just want to do a summary here. There's nothing which so certifies the genuineness of a man's faith as his patience. Let us then withhold harsh judgment. Let us then withhold condemnation. Let us then be mild, compassionate, and forgiving in our responses. Let us then be patient with all, not some, not most, but all, as the Apostle Paul instructs us. First Thessalonians five fourteen. That's from Martin Lloyd Jones' the book Spiritual Depression, and I, I like that as a good good summary for the patience of God and being patient. So I want to spend the rest of our time going over some counseling cases, and all of you in here put on your counseling and experience and your wisdom from from life and Let's counsel one another today because you may see yourself in some of these situations. Well, the first one is, and again, credit to Brock. come up. He can, I thought maybe he was getting some of his examples out of the book or something, but he, he I don't know if you're getting these out of your life experiences at school, and <laughs> at home, and at church or what, but there's <laughs> a knack for getting some pretty good ones. So Gregory loves to talk with people. He's a classic classic extrovert, always seeking to have conversations with friends as well as guests at church. You notice that these conversations are quite one-sided. As the other participants in the discussion start to talk about their opinions, experiences, and questions, Gregory often starts talking before they finish their thought. The responses to Gregory after a while includes frustration, confusion, and annoyance. Probably that kind of guy when you see him come and you try to find something else to do I don't know as you sit down with Gregory to address this pattern you have noticed he interrupts you three different times thinking he knew where you were heading with the conversation only to guess that you wanted to talk about his job his wife and finally his need to talk to different people make them feel welcome how do you counsel Gregory Selfish. If you really care about people, you'll listen. Okay, so you've identified there's a selfish nature to his, his need to dominate conversations, talk about himself. That's good.
4: sort
0: to hear and slow to speak. Um, okay, so That's we'll good. Go so I think the, the put-off <clears throat> that Brock's talking about is the pride. You know, identify that to put on is be be slow to speak. Quick to listen. And back to, to yours, Perry, I think the put-off is it's being a selfish thing <clears throat> and you're lacking in love because you want to talk about yourself. <clears throat> So love doesn't boast or brag or those kinds of things we can get from 1 Corinthians 13. So put on love. You love other people by listening to them, by being interested in them, not thinking they should be interested in you. That kind of thing. This might come across as a little bit blunt, but at some point... Uh, Proverbs 18.2 might have to come into play. Fool has no delight in understanding but but only in expressing his own heart. I mean this person seems to be pretty set in a pattern and it's going to take something to kind of jolt him. I think something that's been as a talker I have struggled with this. And your husband's smiling nicely there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I,
3: I went up to somebody something really hard had just happened in their life and I ran up to them because something not as hard as theirs had happened in my life that week and I blurted that out without even asking, without even mentioning it to them. And they looked at me and they said do you realize what you just did? And I hadn't. I had no idea. But if she hadn't been willing to call me out in that moment, I wouldn't have caught it. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize how selfish I was being Hmm. and how I hadn't been thinking about her and her hard trials that
0: week. That's good. That's really good on receiving end of that. That's great. So do you have to be, are we gonna to have to be patient with Gregory? Think that habit will die quickly? And he is a, apparently a classic extrovert, which some people are just gonna be talkers that We do want him to be welcoming to people as well.
6: He's got strengths, he just needs to learn how to use them. There you go.
4: He, he's, he needs us to model it for him. Like when we're in conversation, and then he's interrupting again. And doing like, oh, I'm great, you're doing it again. <laughs> there, there is, yeah, like like Bridget was saying too. There, there is a, it's difficult to. We are, at least for me, there's a there's a temptation to just kind of. Get around it in a gentle like in the name of gentleness, like trying to, to tell them nicely and, and and instead of being direct, hey, you know what, a fool airs his own opinions. You're doing that right now. Mm-hmm. And just being direct, not not hurtful unnecessarily, but faithful other ones of a friend too. Mm-hmm. But there, there's just a lot of um I see it in a lot of just in my leadership too, trying to trying to figure out, okay, I need to be direct here because it's not loving to not be direct because then they're wondering, or they don't even realize that you're trying to help them with a problem that they have. So yeah. um, that being direct and patient and loving with Gregory and saying, "Hey, you, when you do that, you just did it right there. That is unloving. Mm-hmm. And you need to stop that." So, <laughs> so like those those kinds of direct, gentle, but direct conversations that are necessary for, for Gregory if he is going to get out of it because he's just it's such a, an automatic thing that somebody's
0: mm-hmm.
3: I think something else that could be really beneficial for him is to challenge him to pray for like specific people a lot through the week because I think then when you see him on Sunday it's a lot harder to be selfish when you spent all this time coming before the Lord on these people's behalf and then you want to see him on Sunday and say like what happened this week you know, like
0: you're mm-hmm. asking them about themselves and what God did. This kind of goes back to the Second Timothy scripture, right? About Teaching, being patient, being gentle as we correct people. And I like your direct approach too. Um, one time, I had a, a guy I was meeting with, a guy, and he said, a "Year or two ago, you were." You weren't very direct with what you were telling me. I didn't really get what you were saying. Then I said, So you want me to be direct? Yeah. So he gave me permission. I got real direct. And it was kind of (laughs) nice. Okay.
6: Sometimes extroverts take a little, they need to maybe be direct. Yeah. I mean, speaking as an extrovert, I mean, you think you can be blind. And so somebody coming at you a little bit straight is helpful.
0: Okay, so be blunt with extroverts. (laughs) 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 Let's get on to another one here. Your teenage, this is dealing with children. Nobody in here has had this experience, I'm sure. Your teenage son, Heather, I heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Brian (laughs) Shannon. I see Brandon and Elizabeth there anyway. Perry, you got never some had in. In mind from
2: this.
6: Morning.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Your teenage son is showing a consistent pattern of laziness in his homework and chores at home. Brock, that is a very applicable counseling situation. He has not been cleaning up his room, he leaves things out all the time clothes, dishes, wrappers, school supplies, etc. You now have had four prolonged <coughs> discussions with him. And you feel the temperature in your heart rising as you walk into the bathroom with clothes strewn across the floor, toothbrush and toothpaste in the sink, and water from the bathtub on the floor. Hmm. You did you set that up good. How do you counsel yourself?
6: I like that this one is how do you counsel yourself?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading to the end thinking, how am I going to counsel my kids? And then I was like, oh, He threw a curveball at us.
0: But he said I could add additional questions to it, right? You said, he is, so we'll get to that. How do you deal with your son? But how do you counsel yourself first?
1: In the First Corinthians passage in, the third, in chapter 13, it talks about love is patient, patient and kind. I've heard it taught that if you are able to rely on God, to be patient and kind, you don't do all the bad things that happen after that, being boastful and all of that. So... What is a preference sometimes? It's not exactly sin sometimes to accidentally leave something out, so the being thing in our own eye. I don't know, our kids are a sensitive subject because we have the easy button that they press constantly, Mm -hmm. but is it sin or preference? It's a discipline that takes time to learn, but I have one of those teenage children but I also have other people that do the same thing too. So, same. So. <laughs> no comment. It's easy to have the button press really quickly. The things that are not
0: exactly sin, <clears throat> preference, pick it up, God sees, He knows. I'm counseling myself. <laughs> Has this crossed over from preference to sin and they're now disobeying
1: Right.
2: If you've told me to right. so has this become
0: a disobedience issue right. from your child? So perhaps it has. They've been told four prolonged conversations.
2: <laughs> but since I'm counseling myself, I'm going to remove the log before my eye first because I was probably that person before and still am who sometimes leaves the laundry on the floor. I think and the other
6: thing that you have to ask yourself is have you been consistent in training? Yeah. Because you're going to have four prolonged conversations, but if you're letting it go in between those conversations, and then you're just waiting until you get irritated to have the next conversation, that's not consistent mm-hmm. or loving. Yeah.
0: I go back to the pattern of the Second Timothy chapter two twenty three to twenty six again. Teach, correct, gently, kindly, patiently. So that's what I would counsel myself. Okay. Maybe God will grant this child repentance, change. Maybe they'll quit doing this and start doing this. And I'm going to continue to teach. Maybe there's consequences too. Mm-hmm. So also remind yourself that God has been patient with you. Yeah. If I'm a, if He's my example, if Christ's my example. Then yeah. I need to. It's excellent. Same patience. Because right now. There are things in my life that he's told me over and over again. More than four times. (laughs) More than four times. (laughs) That's good counsel. I like Elizabeth's counsel to you know look at your own, look at yourself. And that's kind of what you're talking about, Joe. Look at the log in your own eye. I've always said this that correcting someone else should be the most sanctifying and correcting thing in our own life if we do it biblically, because Jesus said first before you go, you take out the log in your own eye. So then you'll be able to see clearly the splinter in your brother's eye. Any other comments on this? Okay, dealing with children, B, your daughter is fearful and anxious about new experiences, even if it involves family members or her friends. She will start crying when you try to prepare her for what's coming. But then she worries about it for the rest of the day. So you're kind of caught, right? Prepare her or not? After talking to her about how God is a present help in trouble and about how Jesus said that the Father cares for us more than the birds of the air and the grass of the field, she continues to cry and tell you she doesn't want to go. You're losing patience. How do you counsel her? Looking to some of you who have that are a little older in the room, maybe. How do you counsel a young parent with this young? We had some
2: teaching girl. on this. Remember? Remember he started with what's the worst that can happen? Remember we talked to and then that worried thing and then mm-hmm. taking you through that scenario. We pull that back out and try to. Okay, what? What's the worst? And what? Identify what the problem is. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? I'm not a counselor, but I know that guy that. Tim Bryant. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. It's kind of the same thing there,
5: I think. Does it seem to work while it's happening, or when they're in the moment of crying? Does it? Like, how do you counsel? I, I just doesn't seem to work to counsel when they're
0: in the situation. Like, yeah. In the moment. I think when you're in the moment,
3: one of my favorite quotes by Elizabeth Elliott is. Just do the next thing. So, like, you've talked to her. You've been telling her. And now it's time to say, okay, we're going to get in the car. And we're going to go. If you're going to cry while we're going, that's what it's going to have to be. But we're going to do the next thing. Because, I mean, when you're in the moment, like we are saying, I mean, it's really hard to, you know, like, God has things for us to do now. And so we're going to go do the next thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as you do the next thing, then it can snap your brain into, (laughs) remember then being able to think about the truth i think part of that is
2: teaching self-control too for the child so let them get some deep breaths and calm down and then pray with them and have them you know you could be the example say jesus i know you're in control jesus i know you're in control you know and then just have them repeat a prayer that's a calming trusting and if you have to do that three or four times on the you know that day or you're practicing them coming to Christ and trusting them for things as about and then
0: also perhaps saying, we are still going to do the next thing." We're not not going. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, that's and good.
6: I, I think too, you have to be careful because we can train girls to be manipulative with their emotions mm-hmm. this way. Um, have, everybody knows we have five sons, but we have one granddaughter who didn't take much to learn that this was an effective way to get what she wanted. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, I better. He's better. But he Don't put he didn't on the record happening. what just
0: happened. But I
6: think he didn't even see like I think we we are afraid of crushing maybe little girls or making Tears little and little girls are terrible. <laughs> are
0: very heart softening, right? <laughs> yeah,
6: but I just told her I said, You're trying to get what you want by crying and making people feel bad. Then that's not how we work. <laughs> 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 you know and she was three or four and she kind of uh, that kind of snapped her out of it like uh, <laughs> it doesn't mean she didn't try it again but
2: I think verbally them praying out loud as well is better than you praying if you can get them to do it I mean, even if it's just a sentence it makes it actually go into their heart and thinking and they're not just listening or paying attention to their crying or worry they actually have, have the same thing that actually changes Mm-hmm. That's good. well I think it's good that you guys are talking about practicing it with little things because it starts there with just the little normal things that they get and just cry about because eventually it's going to be something big mm-hmm. and if you can't handle the litter you're sure little you're sure not going to be able to handle the big it's, a, it's good to, those little things learn to pray learn to review scripture early so that when something bigger and, you're, and nobody's around you've got that to help
0: yeah. I think the one thing I learned in retrospect with my daughters is that I should have spent more time listening, maybe to what was going on in their life, uh, to make them anxious or irritable. You know, uh, I was real good at taking out scriptures preaching. and preaching <laughs> to them. Yeah, I was real good at that. Thinking, okay, now I solved that. Well, no, I didn't get to the root of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: That's good. I just remember my dad always saying, like, it'll be something new tomorrow. But it was like, but this is really big right now. And so actually wanting someone to listen
2: and hear you through that and not just like rushing you to the next thing, but wanting to take that time to hear what is your problem.
0: So here's good to listen. I out what's really going on. Here, it's good not to be manipulated by tears. Here, it's good to pray. Uh, I think the preaching, teaching part is an element, though, that comes into it. If it's done with the other things combined, I think of the words of Jesus about, you know, not uh, worrying about tomorrow. There's, you know, that's what often happens. And one of my favorite Elizabeth Elliot statements ever is, "Don't forecast grief." which is what this little child is doing, is thinking something bad's going to happen. More than likely, it's not, right? So we are to quit forecasting grief like we're sovereign or we know what's going to happen. We don't.
2: I think it's also helpful if you know stories about people who have, like if your children have learned the stories about people who have gone through really difficult things and come out shining on the other side. Mm-hmm. Just to know that the trial doesn't have to end with, they don't have to be afraid of the ending.
0: I think that's good. That should build some hope and courage in them to like, good can come out of this. In fact, it always does. There's always good that comes out of it.
2: I like it just says that they prepare the child because I had regrets of being such a hurry that I didn't, we're going. And, you know, mm-hmm. too bad, getting in the car, you know, not having that.
0: Taking the time is a regret they prepare ahead of time. Like in the morning, we're going so and so tonight, so that you have time to
2: teach. Because that, I mean, how many parents have time? You know, you're, like, you're flying right now, on work, get in the car, we gotta go late. You know, it's
0: just like it's hard to be kind and gentle with them. <laughs> There's, I don't agree with a lot of what Dr. James Dobson says, but some I do, and he. I've got great advice for parents. Of, I think he said at this time of teenagers, get them through it. And there is an element of patience there. Like just keep moving ahead, mm-hmm. and just keep teaching and modeling. And there's some truth to that.
3: And teaching and modeling and putting them around other people who are going to do that,
0: like
3: mm-hmm. make them go to youth group. Every single youth group thing, yeah. you know, like let those adults speak into their
0: lives. Yeah. Put them around God's word and God's people. Mm-hmm. I've never been in the assembly of God's people around God's word when I didn't benefit from it. Ever. So that's a good good point, Richard.
5: Would, would some of it and like this isn't told us in the scenario, but like I think it comes back to like the talking, asking the questions what you know, what's the worst thing that can happen and kinda of getting to the heart of why they're What's worrying them or causing them anxiety? But I think for some kids, they feel a lot of pressure to either either the kid himself is kind of a perfectionist, and like mm-hmm. I don't want to mess up, or they have parents that are perfectionists, and the kids afraid, well, I don't want to disappoint you. So an element of just as a parent, no matter what you do, like as long as you do your best, I'm I'm gonna be really happy with that. I'm gonna support
0: you Dan, you bring up a good point there. It could be the fear of failure and because of a perfectionistic I could really want to do well. Yeah, That could be an element too. We really haven't explored. It's about 10 o'clock and we need to set chairs up. There's a couple scenarios there but uh, you can go through those on your own next week, Brock, on um, kindness. Is that what we're coming up next?